Francis McDermott of social marketing platform GlideCloud brings us on a journey through the evolution of media, moving from a traditional model which valued mass reach via out-of-home advertising, mastheads of major magazines, and of course, the all-coveted TV commercials, towards a digital-first, hyper-localized and personalized social media campaign focus. As Gen Z have migrated, or even are having their first online engagements via Web3, discover what we can expect in the next months and years for social advertising within the luxury industry. Tech-Powered Luxury is proud to be sponsored by Seabody, an Irish-based tech-powered beauty and wellness brand. Seabody has developed a unique next-gen approach to seaweed-based skincare and supplements. Luxury powered by technology with innovation at its core is exactly what this podcast is about. Find Seabody on Instagram or at seabody.com to discover their innovative products. Hello and welcome to Tech Powered Luxury, your weekly podcast dedicated to the intersection of the luxury and technology industries. The goal of each of these episodes is to bring international and actionable insights to people passionate about the luxury and tech industries. For today's episode of Tech Powered Luxury, we have Francis McDermott, expert on all things paid social media marketing and director of global commercial operations at tech startup GladCloud. Francis joined GladCloud in 2019 for his first digital marketing experience and quickly rose the ranks during a time of steep change and digital adoption throughout the pandemic. Now leading global commercial operations, Francis's role at GladCloud sees him developing the trade marketing platform's expansion, working with global and national brands to activate campaigns at scale on social media via customized organic and paid content. With an incredible knowledge of all aspects of paid digital media, audience development and driving customers in store, I'm delighted to have Francis here with us today to give us a crash course on the role of paid social in the luxury industry. Francis, welcome. Hi, Ashley. Thanks so much. Yeah, it's, it's really great to be here. That's that's probably the, the nicest introduction I've ever had to, to anything in my life. So thank you. That's, <laughs> that was really nice. Um, it, it was reminding me quite a lot of, of the journey that I've been on so far. So Very good. Well, it's all true. So <laughs> a well-deserved introduction. Um, For sure. And like, that's why we have you here today. It's to kind of take some of that wisdom that you have. But to get started, I'd like to ask you actually, who are you and what led you to where you are today? Um, who I am is a person who has always been very interested in how we work and how we uh, operate and behave as people. And, and I think that my earliest interests professionally were in the area of psychology um, and consumer behavior. I have always had an affinity to relate to people regardless of their their background and, um, you know, regardless of who they are. And, and I would consider myself to have very high degrees of, of emotional uh, intelligence. So I think uh, if not psychology, then marketing is, is, is something that we see quite a lot in, in the industry. And the two areas of, of expertise and knowledge kind of go hand in hand. So I, I guess going into what drives me uh, as a person, I'm someone who is very honest and humble when it comes to... Uh, how I believe we we should we should relate to each other and, and, and this and in a professional context, I think that removing barriers uh, of communication is something that really really drives me. Which again, in an operational role uh, at GladCloud, that that's kind of quite quite key. 
Um, and I guess going back to, you know, my, my earliest interests, um, I was always destined, I think, to be working professionally in, um, in a company or in, 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 a, in a body that, that did some form uh, of good with regards to um, optimizing the way in which we, we communicate with each other. Um, <laughs> Going straight into the deep stuff. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's obviously quite, and you know me, Ashley, I'm, I'm all about the, de- the deep stuff and, and peeling back the layers. But I think that like, as a broad platform, you know, that meant that I, 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 could, I could go in, in, in many different directions. And at times, I think I benefited from kind of taking that and trying to just get into uh, a more directional way of, of looking at things. Um, so n- knowing what my drive is and, and what my passion is with regards to that, I think that from a cultural perspective as well, you know, being both Irish and Italian and having had the experience of kind of growing up both across both countries as well as having family all over the world, I I was I kind of was on a a starting point of having been exposed to all different walks of life and and different cultures and different people and it's something that's always fascinated mm-hmm. me. So so it's natural that you know that the communication piece and the media piece or you know the the technology how do we optimize technology in a way that we break down barriers and, and communicate in a better way um and you know i also grew up through the advent of social media and web 2.0 and all of these things so it was a fascinating time to to grow up in so um i think that that's kind of what led me to to the place where i am i know it makes a lot of sense and i think you know, it's also a timing thing, right? Like a lot of us that were born in the 90s, we're working in this space of digital media and communication. And we're the first generation of people to have communicated with their friends from a very young age across social. So that's where we spend a lot of our time. So I really like that answer. It actually made me kind of reflect on what led me to where I am. Why am I here? Yeah, why are we all here? Exactly. (laughs) Um, So thank you for that. But if we yeah, focus on social media, and of course, luxury, because that's why we're here. For sure. Um, not that long ago, they were like water and oil. So really, they didn't go well together. You had these social platforms that were created to connect individuals. They were reuniting, you know, people with their old friends. It was about communication, sharing. And then the luxury industry was very actually late to the game and to adopting mm-hmm. social because, it, you know, in, in luxury, you have always had this very classical model in terms of advertising. So traditional media valued mass reach, out-of-home advertising, you know, mastheads in the major magazines, and of course the all-coveted um, TV commercials as well. But all of that massively accelerated and changed throughout COVID. And today we actually see around 50% of ad spend within the luxury industry being online. So for anyone listening today who isn't familiar with GladCloud, could you maybe explain a little bit about what it is that the company mm-hmm. does and how it's addressing brands who are moving towards that digital first marketing approach now? Yeah, I, I'd love to. Um, and you've, you've kind of captured the reality across luxury and, and, and certainly many industries that, that we work with at GladCloud, um, which is that I suppose before going into what we do as a business, let's paint a picture uh, of the reality of, of the way things are and were right before COVID. Um, in, in luxury uh, and also in, in other similar industries um, that operate in similar ways, which is that, you know, you have these huge 
marketing functions and sales functions that are kind of intertwined and meshed within these global brands that work both on a local level, a global level, regional. Um, and and these, these are old companies with, with thousands of employees. And, and one thing that we've noticed time and time again, especially when it comes to specifically the, the marketing functions of these companies, is that they're desperately trying to move what was previously physical uh, customer marketing so specifically the marketing that these massive global brands provide to their local boutiques, their local outlets, their local resellers um, to market their products so that the customer, sorry, the consumer that is physically in that space sees that, that marketing and is made aware of that marketing. So in, in some of the industries that we work with, that we've worked with the longest at GladCloud in the alcoholic beverage industry, um, you know, the physical location being the bar or the restaurant or the hotel bar or whatever it is, that physical customer marketing is, is marketing on a tap or a poster or a beer mat. Um, in, in the luxury space, you'd mentioned that some of the more traditional marketing uh, was out of home marketing and, and that kind of thing. Probably slightly different in, in its nuance at the boutique level. Um, I can't see Chanel providing their customers with posters, <laughs> but you know, it's, it's the same kind of idea. It's the marketing that is, uh, that drives awareness of brand of product in a, in the physical space. And one thing that we recognized was that these, these massive global brands are trying in some way to digitize this customer marketing and activate their customers where they sell their product on social. Um, and social and its infrastructure is an incredibly complex system. When it comes to the meta platforms and what they offer, traditionally speaking, it was incredibly difficult for, for these brands to activate their locations at scale, the, the scalability of, of campaigns when it comes to an individualized creative for that location that highlights that location with consumers on social that might be mm -hmm. in that physical space or near that location was near to impossible. So what we have developed is a product that addresses that exactly. So in the context of luxury, what we offer luxury brands is the ability to um, create advocacy in their local um, boutiques where they sell their product um, uh, or indeed in their flagship stores. It's a way in which we offer an infrastructure that they get to create these advocates and supply them with customized, localized, hyper-local, hyper-targeted advertising that is delivered on social through their own social channels. So for example, what looks like a Chanel creative is being published by the local uh, boutique or, or um, partner of Chanel. Um, the local establishment that, that, that stocks the Chanel products through a dashboard that we offer to that customer that is powered by us, but it but looks for all intents and purposes like a Chanel digital product. And we take on the branding of all Chanel digital products in this use case. And the local customer publishes this localized creative that features uh, their name, their location, images uh, of product in store or the storefront, that kind of thing. It's published by them through the dashboard and appears on social media to customers, uh, specific customers within a target audience 
that are hyper local to their location, driving uh, a higher quality of engagement with these customers, as well as uh, cost saving reach. We've discovered that we deliver up to four times more cost effective mm-hmm. uh, reach in terms of CPM and that through our, through our platform as well. So really what we're doing is we're answering this, uh, this, this question, providing the solution to this problem, which is that, you know, that, that these massive global brands are asking themselves time and time again, which is how do we get the word out? Uh, how do we get it out in a way that increases our engagement, increases awareness of product and drives purchase? But in a way that allows us to not um, get get stopped by these barriers that that Facebook yeah. has with regards to scale. So we're scalable, we're measurable, we're brand safe. Uh, you know, everything at the end of the day is controlled mm-hmm. by by brand. Um, and really, it, it, it's it's an unprecedented way to go about customer marketing on on social and really transforms that physical customer marketing into the into the digital space. Um, at least in a, in a web two environment with social media, you know, targeting the right consumers with the right product during a really important campaign to drive awareness of, of product launch of, you know, uh, anything is possible really. So. Absolutely. So uh, from a brand perspective, you're connecting brand campaigns with the kind of distribution channels, whether it's your retailers or local boutiques, like you said, but without limit. So rather than like in the beer industry back in the day saying, okay, we're going to send out these branded beer mats and posters physically to all of our different uh, pubs and and suppliers, we can actually send digital assets, but it's all done through this platform in a really easy way to use, which I'm sure is really important because at the end of the day, the the individual retailers, distributors, boutiques and whatnot, they mightn't have an in-house digital team. So how do you overcome that challenge and that barrier yeah, I mean, it's an incredibly hard nut to crack. What we're <laughs> what we're trying to achieve um, is is very unique because a lot of similar technology providers are going after the multi location owned stores and, and, and the specific and you know the the gallery Lafayette yes. and, and you know and and um, and what we're trying to do is we're connecting brand with retailer with consumer in a way that hasn't been done before and that's not without its its barriers you know on a daily basis you know we're, we're working almost as a, a proxy um stakeholder within the brand because we're it's we're white label we take on all look and feel of the brand and, and we essentially are consultative in our approach so we're, we're almost like a an internal member and we have to deal with the same thing that that i'm sure you know, anyone who's worked in a, in a, in a, in one of these big global brands with multiple functions that they, they've experienced before, which is the politics, the internal silos, the trying to incentivize and motivate stakeholders to, to be a part of this because we do include sales. We do include marketing. We do include a uh, creative agency. We do include media agency. It, it really part of what we do is we connect the dots, you know, within these brands with their external stakeholders, including their retails, retailers to achieve this. Uh, and I think that that makes us quite unique. And, and we have a tried and tested way of, of overcoming these barriers. And we've had relative success so far with, with, with our clients and achieving really, really great re- results for them that, that have beaten previous best buys in terms of media spend and this kind of thing. 
But I think when it comes to the retailer, because at the end of the day, a lot, lot, a lot is 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 kind of relying on them, mm-hmm. um, you know, taking part. Because at the end of the day, the the touch point for the consumer is through their social channel. So in terms of benefits for the retailer, you know, they've also been through COVID, uh, as yeah. we all have. And what this is actually showing the retailer is that the brands that you know that we're working with that are supplying them with these assets are are backing them. And they're supporting them. And at the end of the day, they're trying to keep the the brick and mortar establishments that that they that they that they sell through alive. Because in this age of of you know e-commerce and people buying online, you yeah. mentioned the statistic about COVID and, and ad spend, but there are you know as many statistics with regards to money being spent online versus the physical space and you know e-commerce uh, versus the, the physical retail space and what we offer is uh, global brands the ability to to harness mm-hmm. their local retailers to to get people back through the door of brick and mortar establishments targeting them on, on the platforms that they are used to that they've spent so much time on over the last few years with covid yeah. through through social so it, it, it's a reminder of um the brand's backing of the physical Absolutely. location, which I think is something that is as old as the brands themselves, yeah. you know, and, and it's hugely important. Tech Powered Luxury sponsor Seabody uses state-of-the-art blue biotechnologies and marine biodiscovery. Seabody includes the most potent and closest to nature molecules in their ranges of skincare and supplements. You can discover more about Seabody on Instagram or at seabody.com. I know GladCloud works at many different types of clients across different product divisions, services, you name it. GladCloud is able to adapt actually to provide what's needed for trade marketing across the board when it comes to digital. But today we're really focused on, of course, the luxury industry. So if I take the beauty industry as a very specific example, and you've got, you know, um, let's say an international brand who's present in perhaps thousands of different stores around the world. When you work with that brand, create the, the console or the dashboard per se, and you're you know creating these different campaigns that can be accessed by all the different relevant retailers. Would you work in both the paid and the organic context? Do you see brands having a preference? Do you see retailers having a preference? And what kind of impact can you have, um, you know, paid versus organic when it comes to that real localized marketing? It's a really great question. And um, we do work, we, we do provide both paid advertising and, and organic. And, and I think the, the most interesting part of the question that you asked is, is the second part, which is the preference mm. of, of brands towards either. And you absolutely do see um, certain brands preferring to provide, uh, you know, a library of organic content that can be published through their channel just to the page followers versus those that are looking to really harness um, their partners channels the retailers channels to to get that kind of more cost effective media results um what we would advocate ourselves is is a combination of the both because you know with the paid advertising that we offer to the retailers um on a high level it might seem that like these campaigns these paid adverts are being offered you know in, in a sort of a an ad hoc way or or you know as the need arises but the reality is is that they are in line with with the activation calendar or the the media plan for the year, um, the campaigns that are being received by these retailers. 
they're they're a version of a either a national or, or a global campaign that that is currently active. So it's it's just one touch point of that massive global um, undertaking. So they're they're receiving these paid advertisings on a periodic basis. So the retailer might ask themselves, you know, okay, well I haven't had anything in in a few months. Why should I be bothered? You know, uh, and what we would like to do in all cases, you know, with the clients we work is also provide them with the opportunity to upskill themselves on social. Um, we provide organic assets that are both localized to their location as well as, you know, generic creative that are pre-packaged with, you know, the, the brand uh, approved slogan for that brand safety with the right hashtag so it can be measured and at scale across thousands of retailers you give them the opportunity or indeed you can give them the schedule if if that was the wish of the brand but in either case you have an earned reach on top of an already lower media cost with the paid advertising across all of these thousands of touch points that target consumers you know hyper local to an establishment you also have an earned reach with already actively engaged followers of these retailers' pages. So the quality of that engagement on a campaign level across all of these thousands of touch points is, is, is part of our unique offering. And mm-hmm. also the measurability of both that paid and organic in a console that you mentioned that the brand has access to, the kind of the brain, you know, the mainframe that has all of that data and, you know, data really is key because a lot of what we want to provide to the brands that we work with is data-driven um, KPIs for future campaigns. So the data that is achieved from one campaign in an already unprecedented way across thousands of touch points is then, you know, compiled and, and, and that can be reviewed and analyzed so that, okay, what do we do next time? Yeah. It's like this entirely new way of, of operating in in on paid social, uh, you know, for these global brands. So, so really the opportunity is, is there to do whatever the brand would like to do, whether it's a conversion event for, for a specific in-store activations. I know maybe in the luxury space, it's not as, not as relevant. Um, but if it's, you know, uh, come in store to, to see this new product today, then, you know, it's something that, that, can be activated at scale across these mm-hmm. touch points that beforehand would have only been achievable with some sort of a, um, a street side or, or storefront Absolutely. indicator of, of the product being available. I, I have a par- I, I have a perfumery that I walk by here in, in in Dusseldorf most days that that has the competing products as you know the activation. Um, the merchandising. <laughs> the merchandising, exactly. Yeah. That's the word I was looking for. So, so yeah, so, so the opportunity is endless. Um, and uh, what we've achieved so far is really just the tip of the iceberg, I think. Fantastic. You touched on it there when you said GladCloud has a really unique offering, actually. So one of the things that I found most striking about GladCloud was the variety of offerings, so the different features and services. So you have you know, the ad customization and the localization, which is the bread and butter of the concept. 
But you also do multi-ad formats, of course, because you're launching through social. So you can do any of the ad formats that are available through the different social platforms. Um, so there's a lot going on. And then you ha- it's an API-based platform. So that's how you connect. So you have your platform. You connect all your different retailers, distribution channels, their social accounts through those APIs. So maybe could you talk me through what are the biggest mistakes that you see brands making today when it comes to paid social and how can they overcome those mistakes or things that basically can be improved on today? This is a really, this is going to be a really contentious answer. And I don't think everyone is going to agree with me on this one, but I think that brands at times rely too heavily on their media partner. And when I say this, it's with absolutely zero disrespect to these media agencies that brands work with. They're they're as old as as advertising Mm -hmm. in in most cases. Um, But what we do see in working with brands and media partners, I think at times is a complacency uh, Mm -hmm. when it comes to what is achievable on on social. And if I were to give one word of advice to brands, it, it, it would be when looking, when they're looking for advice, it would be to ask the technology partner first, and, and ask the advice of the technology expert when it comes to the very specific use case. Yeah. Um, and it, when it comes to the very specific value add that that technology supplier is adding and then incorporate it back into media planning. Yeah. Um, because what we've seen time and time again is a reliancy on, um, on brands to kind of there's so much involved, obviously, in, mm-hmm. in, in a global campaign when it comes to media. And having an agency partner is, is fantastic for the, obviously, for the planning, budgeting, management and optimization across all touch points. But when it comes to very specific use cases, I think that it, 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 it's, it's really important that the brands uh, lean on yeah. the, the technology provider first and then upon the advice of that technology provider, then bake whatever it is that needs to be baked back into the pot of yeah. the overall media plan. And, and, let, and, and just to be clear, with GladCloud, we're not a media agency in any way. We're a technology provider, so yeah. we work directly with the media agencies of our brands and, and the ease of which we integrate media agency ad accounts mm-hmm. uh, and ways of working and DTs and, and tagging and uh, you know Facebook pixels and all of these things. Yeah. It's as it, it all we do is we provide the technology, but the infrastructure remains the same. Fantastic. So that 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 that's what I, I think I would advise. That, that that's the advice I'd give. Completely agree. Being on top of what are the latest technological advancements, what is actually possible from an IT perspective. Maybe there are new formats that are out there. Being aware of those things before saying, okay, I'm launching this campaign, this is my budget, I want to reach these people or these are the, the KPIs actually starting first with, well, what's available to me is, is really important. And we don't probably take that step back enough. It depends on what the social platforms are doing today. That's one aspect of it. But then also consumers, what do consumers want to see? So I'm seeing a lot in the last weeks and months, especially, although static ad formats, of course, across social are still there and they're still possible. Also asking yourself, well, what do consumers see today when they go on social? It's video. It's all about video. And then, okay, what are the ad formats or what are the capabilities that I have with my tech partner in video? And then the last step is saying, okay, how can I achieve that? What do I need? What are the specific formats? And, and what and what are 
the risks to achieving that. And I think that's really where my um, my answer was kind of situated is we, we've had campaigns that have really, really fantastic campaigns with, with various clients of ours that have been um, really hindered, delayed, or actually um, cancelled as a result of those barriers being in place and, you know, that the, it, it being a political internal battle with who's right versus who's not kind of thing. And absolutely, what, what I think what you're alluding to is an awareness of, it's knowing your audience at all times. And I think that because we at Gladcloud are, that's our everyday, everything we do is is hyper-local advertising for the consumer on behalf of the brand through the retailer. Yeah. That's that's our starting point every day that we, we come into work. So that's why we would ask of brands to really put their trust in us when it comes to that specific area of expertise, because they will have the creative teams, they will have the engine, you know, the, 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 the mastery of how to communicate that. We just provide the best way for them to do that. Um, so on social. So fantastic. Oh, really, really interesting. Um, I know that you are really into everything to do with this next wave of internet web three. So I wanted to ask you about this for sure today. So luxury brands that are preparing for web three, everything is interactive. There's a sense of ownership, of course. And on the flip side, it's expected that social media, as we know today is maybe nearing its end because it either needs to evolve or I couldn't agree more. The users are going to move over to, to web three. So it'd be great to get some insight from you on how you think this is going to evolve in the next months. Like what's, what should we prepare for and what the industry uh, should be doing to get ready for that? Yeah, it, it's such a fantastic question. And I'm, I'm so happy that you've asked me it because it's a real area of passion for me as, as you alluded to. And um, I, I think that the next leap to, in, 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 digital, in the digital space and digital technology and moving from web 2.0 to web 3.0. It's, it's such a contentious topic and there's such a, a like versus dislike, um, you know, discourse that we're seeing on the likes of LinkedIn and on, on professional socials, um, you know, where a post will appear about a, a particular topic in web 3.0 with, with a, a big, hairy, audacious goal and opinion, and then the comment sections are they can be know, wild. Adults, really wild. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, you don't really see it on LinkedIn, which which tells you quite a lot about the topic. Yeah. Um, and for me, obviously, the the opportunities involved are endless, and I think that any any global brand that is looking to perfect 2.0, whilst ignoring completely Web 3.0, is barking up the wrong tree because by the time they've perfected web 2.0 the audience like you suggested may already have moved and i think particularly for luxury um which historically speaking is 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 such an emotive space when it comes to brand image and advertising and you know the, the tv adverts the, the the colors the 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 fonts the importance of evoking something in in um in a consumer and, and in the in a brand in a you know in, in these these fans or these uh, supporters of brands because in the luxury space and correct me if I'm wrong here but it, it, when it comes down to it people are very loyal to the brands that they really like um, so that moving from web 2.0 to web 3.0 where it from what it seems in the web 3.0 space everything is possible you have a more decentralized inclusive 
model uh, of how we spend our time in the digital space, um, the opportunity to create uh, unique branded customer experiences, both in a retail context and in a purely uh, you know, experience context, really those opportunities are, are endless. Um, and we could have an entire podcast on on the future of that space, but for us specifically in GladCloud, and certainly for me personally uh, as a professional, you know, my, my long-term goals personally are definitely in that space, in, in yeah. Web 3.0, because if you look at, at social media, um, the word social media may remain, mm-hmm. It, because at the end of the day, it, it, the Web 3.0, it, it, it enables a social space. You know, it enables Even look at a digital Meta. social space like Meta, like, you know, Spatial, like all of these companies that are that are putting millions, you know, sometimes billions into developing these environments to make them ready for the coming tidal wave mm-hmm. uh, of users. And, and that's the question that most people are at odds with it's well where is the audience you know and, and I think that I saw a meme recently where it was it was uh, I won't say any names um but it was one of these spaces and it was you know a, a billion dollar party with three users kind of thing yeah and, yes. and it, it were still in, really in an early situation stages. as well of it, exactly you know developing and you see a lot of brands in the luxury space have been developing what you would call a miniverse so yeah. their own kind of walled garden. And literally sometimes it is like a virtual, beautiful garden, exactly. but it's a walled so, garden with no audience. So how do you see brands overcoming that and being where... It's, the, the it's all are? in the offer. It's all in the offer. What are the brands actually offering people? So like if we talk for, for a brief moment about um, another feature of Web 3.0, um, you know, that, that that's kind of more... In, to do with blockchain and with NFTs, the ability to give users of this experience or, or you know, uh, the, um, the consumers taking part in this experience to give them a piece of the experience. Uh, uh, something that, that has, that, that gives them ownership in some way that, that has utility that, you know, that consolidates them as a brand advocate. The more the brands do for their loyal consumers in a web 3.0 space, I think for me is, is what will dictate um, the, the longevity of these spaces. So it's all about the why, why does it exist? So if I use an example from one of our clients, Diageo, they recently opened a, a virtual bar as part of their Diageo Bar Academy uh, product, which is a training product for bartenders and, you know, cocktail waitresses and, and cocktail waiters and, and the staff of, of kind of the more high-end establishments to really perfect their, their craft. There's a, it's also a marketing platform for them, etc. And they now do their training in, in a virtual environment that is um, enabled by Web3. And I don't know the ins and outs of exactly what they're offering, but what was a, a video-style training, maybe a la... LinkedIn learning or whatever yeah. is now virtual. Uh, you know, it's it's a it's a digital space that that kind of emulates their everyday environment and that. So it's just a, a very simple use case. But I, I think that it's on us as the technology um, experts to really think about the why and and wherever possible eliminate ego or eliminate notions of what we think is right and ask ourselves again 
what it is that the audience needs. If, if like the, the simplest example, you know, of, of the web 2.0 success it, it, that, that, that like the likes of Amazon was, it was a very, very simple, what, what do, what, what is the thing that, that, that people will most likely first buy online? And what has the largest yeah. opportunity? It's books. Right? So it's, re- yeah. it's going back to really, really simple, you know, in, in the luxury brands. What is it that what is it that that our consumers love most? Yeah. First question. How can we create a, a consumer experience for our, our loyal customers that adds value to their lives in some way? Second question. And how can we give them some form of ownership that also allows them to learn web 3.0 in this kind of decentralized manner so the, the opportunities again they're, they're endless yeah very interesting on that note what do you think will be the biggest technological shift in the next months within the luxury industry from what i can tell the shifts at least the the emphasis is being put on what we were just talking about with with Web 3.0. And and from what I can tell as an outsider, you know, I follow all of the luxury brands that are that are relevant to us as a company on LinkedIn. And it seems that every single one of them has some sort of strategy in place for Web 3.0. They're finally taking that jump and they're trying to figure out what um what to do with that, and I, I think that we're, we're it's it's a gold rush of sorts yeah. because the brand the brand that achieves it in the best way will unlock the audience in the best way, mm-hmm. and it's all about that Gen Z, that younger audience, that the digital natives and, and millennials, and us of course, um, we're maybe a little bit more reluctant than Gen Z to adopt these these things because we're used to the Facebooks, the, mm-hmm. you the know, safe zone, <laughs> the, the MySpace generation, you know, so. Um, but yeah, there, there's it's a, 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 a sort of like a battleground of sorts. And I think we will see really bold projects. And I'd like to see really bold projects that make a statement in, in the Web 3.0 environment. You've got, you know, NFTs, luxury NFTs, the likes of Exclusible that are already tapping Absolutely. into. We have Olivier you know, on the podcast already as well. Fantastic. Um, uh, there's a, a man I, I, I'd... I'd relish a, a conversation with i think that these the, these companies are are along the right track because they again like i mentioned earlier in the, in the podcast it should be the technology provider that brands are listening to yes. so that so that they can concentrate on what they do best so whether it's an nft or a paid social hyper local campaign it, there should be no difference i think that you have the mm-hmm. the the core you know, media function within the business remains the same, but you have technology providers advising and providing the infrastructure. So the the likes of Chanel, for example, who doesn't sell anything online, you know, in, in, in their, as far as I'm aware, correct me if I'm wrong, Ashley, but they... They don't sell they, fashion they, online. They don't sell fashion online. So for, for, the, for fashion, they, um, there's an opportunity there to, to harness social or web 3.0 or whatever it is to direct their consumer towards the, the physical establishment. Um, but, but yeah, I, I think it, it's certainly going to be uh, similar to the dot-com mm-hmm. boom that we had. A lot of enterprises yes. will try and fail. A lot of people, unfortunately, will lose a lot of money um, because not everything will work. And it, it's almost, it's curious to see the the same opinions 
as to whether the new technology will work or not surfacing. Yeah. And and at the end of the day, those that, those that succeed will dictate the future direction of 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 how of how we go. But it'll always be the audience yeah. and the consumer that that dictates that. Because if your product isn't attractive, then mm. forget it. I think it's, you know, in probably the not so far away future, we're going to look back on these conversations and it's going to be funny because we're going to be thinking, wow, we knew so little about what direction this was going to go in. It's going to be just Mm. like web one and web two, where it was all, you know, everyone placing bets, basically. Like you said, like some people will have massive success out of this and some people will will have some failures. That's okay. It's it's all learnings and we have to just fail fast to to learn fast. And I really like what you said about, again, leaning into that tech partner, because at the end of the day, the luxury brands, they bring the creativity, right? They bring creativity and desirability. The tech partners, they'll let you know what is technically possible. Or maybe you tell Mm -hmm. them what you want to do and then they can create that for you. And then the media partners, they bring you that reach. They bring you the audience. And it's having those three together is really important because you could have the most creative and innovative concept Mm -hmm. in the world, but without the reach and without your partners to help get you know, eyes on this project, it also, it'll be difficult to have a success. Absolutely. Like we, we, we do a lot of dreaming as technology providers because we know what's possible through our platforms. Um, we can also paint a picture for the brands that, that you know, of something that they may not have necessarily thought of because they didn't know whether or not it was achievable. So, yeah. Great. Um, Francis, for our last question, it's a quick one. What would you say is the one skill that people should work on today? I think that self-awareness for me is the single most important skill that at least I try to work on every day, both on a personal level and in a professional context. I think that the people who... um, you know, maybe find it difficult to accurately identify what their own flaws are. They are the ones that have the most dangerous flaw of them all, which is a lack of self-awareness. And that that's actually a quote. That's not me. That's a quote. Um, <laughs> Stephen Bartlett. That's very who, wise. Who, yeah, well, look, St- Stephen's a very wise guy. And, and you know, I, I listen to his podcast quite religiously. And I, I think that self-awareness is key because it allows us to reflect on our current present moment and kind of ask ourselves the really um, challenging questions. And in a business context, I think it's incredibly important to be self-aware from a business perspective, because then we can know what, like, what is our reason for being? Yeah. I think that, that we, we, we get so distracted um, sometimes with, with stuff that is less important in a business context, especially when it comes to small you know, business enterprise or startups, um, knowing why we exist and continuously reminding ourselves why we exist um, as as a business is, is hugely important. And you mentioned that like with Gladclade, like we have so many different things that we're trying to achieve. Yeah. So it's incredibly important for us that we don't lose the run of ourselves. And, you know, we need to be quite focused in what we do. And I think on a personal level, you know, looking after our self-awareness and, and being self-aware, it, it, it means that, you know, when it comes to the hard skills that we use on a day-to-day basis, looking after the soft skills first and, and in particular self-awareness, it really, at least for me, it, it, it primes me for success in, in any endeavor that I, that I, that I kind of, that I do. And it's what's really allowed me to succeed in, 
an operational context at GladCloud, you know, in fleshing out the various teams that, that yeah. are hired and, and, and expanding GladCloud from, you know, the startup. For, I was their first hire, so it's really right from that go-to-market phase right the way up. I continuously um, been required to use that, that self-awareness and awareness of the business, you know. Great. Thank you, Francis. We started and ended on quite a philosophical note, which I think is is really important. And we need to see more of that in business, especially when it comes to tech, because we don't want to all turn into robots or be replaced by AI. So we need to bring something exactly. <laughs> that you can't be re- replaced with. And um, for anyone... Uh, how, do you, how do you program an AI with, with a philosophical way of thinking? That's, that's the next question. We won't ask anyone because I'm sure someone could develop it. But <laughs> um, brilliant. Francis, thank you so much. A wealth of knowledge when it comes to everything to do with advertising, paid social, but also bridging the gap between online to offline, which in the luxury industry, of course, is is absolutely key. So for anyone wanting to learn more about GladCloud, check them out, look them up online, um, take a look at their, their case studies. They share a lot over on LinkedIn as well of what they're doing with companies from different divisions. So you can get a taste for, for what it is that they do or even request a demo and figure out how you can launch some campaigns with them. So Francis, thank you so much. Thank you, Ashley. It's, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to Tech Powered Luxury, your weekly podcast on all things luxury and tech. If you have enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe and follow Tech Powered Luxury on Instagram, TikTok, Snap, Twitter, LinkedIn, or sign up to our weekly newsletter. Tech Powered Luxury is proud to partner with GladCloud, the platform that is powering our media campaigns through its collaborative social media marketing platform, which is perhaps how you have discovered the podcast today. We'd love to hear from you if you have any ideas, questions, or would like to join us as a guest. Thank you.